I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Oh, can we say this? Have we seen everything that we've experienced with our sensory faculties in this world? Everything. All that is even bright and beautiful cannot compare to being led by the nail-pierced hand. The one who suffered for us and died, was buried and rose again the third day, who paid our sin debt in full. The one who ever lives to make intercession for us. Isn't he the most beautiful to us? Isn't he the most precious to us? Are we able to identify with the words of this song? I'd rather have Jesus than worldly applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. Yes, I'd rather be true. To his holy name. Then to be the king of a vast domain. And be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. This world affords today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're here in the spirit of the living God. When I am dry, the song goes, you fill my cup. When I fall down, you pick me up. You are my all in all. The Lord Jesus said this, Let's go right to it, Matthew chapter 6. He talked about the birds of the air. He talked about the worries we carry, the burdens. We all have burdens. Some are emergency burdens. We're right at the point, that valley of decision. Whether we're going to trust God or not. Whether we understand that he is the most loving, most faithful one. Matthew chapter 6, the Lord Jesus said, trust me, don't live for this world. Would you rather have Jesus than anything? Is it true? Is it true? That's the question we must answer the living God. I must answer it, you must answer it. Is it true? If we know the words of that song, if we ever had that sentiment of prayer, Lord, you mean more to me than anything, more to me than the world. But the question will come from heaven. But is it true what you're saying? When you go to court, or you've seen people in court, when they place their hand on the holy book, it's supposed to give uh, some credibility or lend credence to what they're about to swear. That I swear to tell the truth. 
the whole truth and nothing but the truth. All these gestures, and yet in a human court, in the world, people do lie, and even lie detectors cannot spot all of them out. But God can. God can. Because he sees the heart. The Bible says hell and destruction are right before him. How much more then? The hearts of the children of men, meaning all human beings. God sees every part of us. Can we say, Oh Lord, Oh Jesus, your blood, your blood that was shed for me. Oh Jesus, the blood that was shed for me at Calvary. It produces life because I trust in you. We get born again by faith, simply by believing what God has said. We come out of all of our darkness simply by believing when Jesus says, I love you. And the devil says, but you're dirty. But you walked away. But you did this and that. And remember what happened 20 years ago. They'll try to bring up all those things. But I want to tell you, on the authority of God's word, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness, provided we speak the truth and say, Lord, I need you. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19. If you have your Bibles, please turn to that. Let's look at his words together. Because Jesus said, heaven and earth may pass away. They will. Meaning the heavens, that is the universe, not where God lives. Heaven, but the heavens. The heaven that we know is space and everything in the universe. And the earth. It may have been here for a long time, but there's a time coming when the Lord says, and he actually gives a glimpse into the future in Revelation 21 and 22. He said, I'm going to make everything new. Life as we know it today, or the existence of humanity and the existence of the cosmos, all the things, everything we ever had is going to be transformed and changed. That's where we're headed. The question is, when things get changed, will we, will we be part of God's new order beautiful with no tear, no sorrow no more pain, no more death, no more hunger all the problems in the world that people are frustrated with and they try to point a finger at heaven and say but God, why is this happening if you're so good never stopping to think he has nothing to do with evil he's good, he made everything good it's people who listen to an imposture, who came promising riches and pleasure and laughter, but he carried a dagger behind his back. And that's how he always operates. Every glamorous thing that Satan offers, that serpent, will always have a sting that will destroy. But Jesus said, heaven and earth may pass away. Yes, the order of things as we know it will surely pass away. That's why in the King James Version you see verily, verily, in other versions of the Bible, you see, surely I'm telling you, for certain I'm telling you. In other words, to add emphasis upon emphasis, the Lord says, pay attention. Things are not going to continue the way they are. I'm bringing in the better, the best. Hallelujah. Are you eligible to be part of that? And here are the words upon which our faith must rest. Matthew six nineteen, the Lord Jesus says, do not Lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. People 
lay up treasures all the time in this world. It may be a little child that says, I want to keep this particular toy because it is my favorite toy. And I want to give more attention and uh, take care of it with more responsibility than all my other toys. In fact, I'm going to put it on the highest part of my shelf in my room. I don't want it to get trampled upon or get dust. And adults do the same thing too. People that treasure certain things, for some people it's the vehicle. They treasure the vehicle. They'll spend many hours on the vehicle. Not simply to maintain it, that it can be functional and uh, have the longevity it should have. All those things are reasonable and good. But there's another dimension that people enter into. They begin to idolize it. And this piece of metal takes on a different proportion altogether where they may, might even talk to it, this inanimate object, and give it names, begin to caress it as if it's a living entity. Something's gone wrong. It's one thing to take care of something. It's another thing to idolize it. And people also have not only the garage, the driveway, or the shelf in the little kid's room, they have uh, other places, vaults and safes. Uh, they have uh, hideaways and getaways. They have certain things that no one knows about. And they treasure those things deep in the recesses of their hearts. But God knows. The things that really, really mean so much to me. And after all, when you think about it, the Lord says, heaven and earth will pass away. What about the things in it? Oh yes, everything in it, including our secret treasures. Why, if this is the case, what am I trusting in? That's what the Lord is getting at here. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. In other words, you really can't keep it safe all the time, nor can you guarantee that you will have it. Because sooner or later, either that thing will perish and disintegrate, or you will perish and you won't be able to take it with you. The devil says, so what? The devil gets into people's minds. And people begin to echo the devil's voice. So what? I understand I'm here today and gone tomorrow. But while I'm here, I'm going to live it up. I'm not going to worry about the future and not live my life today. I have too many... Too much fun to have. Not understanding that the trade-off is not worth it. To not prepare for eternity, well, we'll spend a whole lot longer than the temporal life on earth. Not to prepare for it is the most foolish thing. I remember years ago in the secular job, there's a, a middle-aged man and very soft-spoken, but he was spreading the gospel. Uh, he was spreading the good news. Only problem is, it wasn't really good news from heaven. It was his own version of good news from the devil. You know what the good news was? While he was working and going and meeting different employees and even uh, his superiors, he was preaching the good news, according to him, about riches, money. And most people would just flock to him because he said, listen, and he would take out a, a, a napkin quite literally a, a piece of tissue or a scrap paper, and he'll say, here, look, let me show you. 
you make a little column here and column there. He said, this is, let's say, $100. And if you put it here in what I'm going to show you, uh, in, in five years, this is how much you can expect to have. Not much, but watch this in 20 years. I'm going to turn that $100 into thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the word got around that this man knew what he was talking about, and he wasn't the only one. There was another gentleman who had quite a substantial amount of savings because he invested. And so these men were going around spreading the gospel of money. And he had many takers, many eager, avid listeners. The only problem is, he was leading them, they were leading them to a dead end. Because with money often comes greed and more greed. With greed comes a desire for money, and then when people have more of it, they begin to feel more and more independent. And they begin to forget that the very breath that they have in their lungs is from the living God. And when the time is up, where will those riches be? Even if a person diversified and put it here in another country, in that bank, and this stock, when the time comes when they have to put a person six feet under, do they even have the ability to know anything? They're gone. But God says they will know. They will know what a fool they've been because they never were rich toward me. In other words, they didn't give their lives to me. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19, do not. The mother, her father says to a child, with all the sweet talk and lovely uh, relationship, don't put your hand in that outlet. Don't put your finger, little baby finger in the outlet. Toddler, little one, and an emphasis comes that hopefully would shake the child into a healthy fear that I better not do this because I don't think I've ever seen mom or dad is upset or angry if I would dare to do this. And that fear keeps the little one. God loves us too much to let us be led by error that lead us into the ditch forever. So he says, one of the ways in which People repeatedly, generation after generation, they fall into that pit. Is they have the eyes on what the devil promises is going to make them happy. The Lord Jesus says it's a lie. It's a total lie. Look. Look at the people. Look at the people who've gone that route. Were they happy in the end of their lives? At the end of their lives? Or were they miserable? They're miserable. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Does it mean don't save? No. Does it mean don't invest? No. Does it mean don't work hard and maximize your skills and abilities? No. But your motive and your goal for doing it should be that I may become a blessing. What a difference from a self-centered lifestyle. There are people who say, well, I don't necessarily believe in God or Jesus, but I believe it's important to give back to the community. I think that we ought to invest something, maybe uh, wear up a foundation, and from there I get people to join and I help the community and people over there who are hungry and homeless over here and that person in the midst of disaster there, that's a good thing. But 
what's the motive underneath it all? Is it after the fact, after I satisfy me, that I think about others? Isn't that what the world is about? If anybody should benefit from me, this is the world's philosophy at large, it's going to have to come after I benefit from me. The Lord says the exact opposite. And until we make a decision, Lord, honestly, Lord, I, I don't know if I can sing that song truthfully. With sincerity and integrity, I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold, than worldwide fame, wealth, and applause. I don't know. I, if I really think about myself, I think I like those things. They really grab my attention when people like me and applaud me. And when money can multiply, it really catches my attention. Churches would be overflowing today across the country. If the preacher got up and said, I want to preach to you the good news about multiplying your stocks and your funds. And money. Let me show you something. Look, you see this $100? I'm here today. You keep coming to my church. I'll tell you how to multiply it and make it a billion. And if there's any credibility about that happening, you'll find multitudes flocking there. But according to Jesus, the multitudes, including the preacher, will end up in an inferno of shame and regret, darkness, and pain forever. Why? The Lord said, why do you worship things that can't even speak? Why do you worship images that the goldsmith has hammered out, and the blacksmith has gone to work, the silversmith has gone to work, and you make an image, and you think, isn't that wonderful? Now, watch this, everyone. I'm going to bow to this, you do the same thing. And then you have a a cult and a following. People say, well, that's better than not believing anything. Hey, can you give me a miniature version of that that I can put in my car, in my pocket? Because I think it feels good. Well, man is a religious creature. Man has a void. Every man, even the astronauts that go into outer space, they know. Even this doesn't satisfy. Oh, you go along with that paradigm and that motto. Well, we're called to be explorers, so... We should never be satisfied. We're going to keep on exploring, and that's the thrill of it. It's when you get to the top of the mountain that you have to sit like Alexander the Great, so they say. He began to weep and weep. When his generals came and said, why are you weeping, sir? He said, because I've conquered everything. There's no more to conquer. I'm depressed. Same thing holds today. People who go after immorality, who go after the trinkets of moth and rust, Laden treasures. Fear comes over. Do you notice? The richest people in the world, they have the greatest insecurities. They begin to do some strange things. Oh, they begin to bring out their gods in full form then. When they're going to the top, it seems like the thrill of working hard and conquering this land and that territory and this corporation and that a market. Oh, the thrill of it. I don't need God. But somehow when they get to the pinnacle of success, they have this gnawing sensation deep in the conscience. I think I need to look for something beyond this. And so you have many of them shooting up behind closed doors. Many of them actually shooting themselves to death. Many of them not satisfied and they cannot sleep or rest until they destroy the people's lives. There's a spirit in operation. 
And many of them, they start going east to climb some mountain somewhere and try to be one with the universe. All these things leave a person not only empty, tragically destroyed forever. Jesus comes and he's clothed not in a fancy royal attire. He's a carpenter's son. He's a carpenter by trade. But here he is about 30-something years old and he's walking into town. He's walking by the seaside. You have your temple leaders in Jerusalem. But this man's walking around and word has gotten around that he's laying hands on people. They're getting healed. And even the soldiers and the priests that are learned, they're coming to this man who is supposedly uneducated, being gripped by his words. You know what words, beloved? The same words that are gripping our hearts today, 2,000 years later, such as here in Matthew 6, 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Can you see the crowd listening? What is he talking about? Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Oh, we can identify with that. We've seen clothing destroyed by moths. We've seen thieves break in and rob people. I I get that. But what is this thing about laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal? What is that about? The Lord said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our hearts can map our future. Our hearts can determine our destiny. Whatever turns us on today is going to determine the path that we are willing to walk, the price that we're willing to pay to get that thing. Isn't that true? When a person says, I don't believe in materialism, and maybe they shave their heads, and they wear a simple, seamless tunic, and they walk around barefoot. And you know there's something about that that draws people in every century. I don't care if it's a Chinese culture, Indian culture, African culture, Spanish culture, American culture, wherever. European culture, wherever it is. Something that causes people to stop. Hey, why is that man walking around like that? Here we are slogging and working from dusk till dawn or dawn till dusk and we're just trying to make a living and it seems like it's hard. It's getting harder and harder but at least we have the satisfaction. We go home, we have a family or we have something to eat and we got to go work at it again, grind at the mill all over again. We have to make a living. What is this man about? Look at him. He's walking around like he doesn't have a care in the world. I wonder what he's onto. What is he smoking? You get a little closer. He may be smoking something. There are people who get very religious and they smoke too. They have uh, trips. And Satan conveniently takes them on before he throws them off the cliff. But there are also people who don't smoke anything. They say, that's beneath me. I don't believe in materialism. I don't believe in uh, self-gratification either. I'm just walking from place to place and whatever nature provides, that's fine with me. I'm going to survive. Something that's intriguing about that. And people say, why is he different? What are you on to? Is it worth looking at a little bit closer? And maybe the guy starts preaching against uh, anti-materialism. 
or against materialism, I should say. He's preaching anti-materialism. He's preaching oneness with nature. He's preaching, take a deep breath. Enjoy the sunrise and the sunset. Uh, go on a walk by yourself into nature. Listen to the birds. Have you ever stopped to listen to the birds sing? Do you know how pure it is, how pristine it is to see those cool waters flow, the brook coming down from that mountain? I have a different way of life. People say, well, if I had time, I think I can pursue that too, but I have a family to feed. Maybe this guru begins to say, well, you don't have to leave your job or your livelihood or your family. I just want you to come and hear me a couple of times a week. And they get engrossed into that and maybe they will come to the decision also and tell the family goodbye. I'm going with this guy. He begins to have a tribe. Everybody with a single tunic, seamless, barefoot. Maybe they let the hair grow long and everything else. The nails, everything grow long. They don't believe in anything except being free. Do you know anything about revolution from the 60s and before that? The revolution of the 60s in this culture, in this country, is nothing new, really. It's a repeat in every generation. Only it comes in different forms. In other words, what gets you through the night? It's all right. It's all right. Whatever gets you through the night. Don't judge me, and I won't judge you. We'll be happy, family. I want to bring up this word in relation to what we read in Matthew 6, 19 to 21. It's a question of values. We talked about treasure. In other words, what is valuable to me? People say family is valuable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Family is valuable. Somebody says, the things that I worked hard for, they're valuable. I'm going to take care of them. I'm not going to let anybody take them. It came about through my blood, sweat, and tears. I'm responsible. I don't want what other people have. This is what I got for myself, and I'm going to protect it. What things? Things that are valuable. Some people, it's their house, vehicles. For some people, it's things that they've stored up by way of monetary gain. Brothers, they don't care too much about these things, but they do love to travel. They say, I want to go and meet new cultures. I want to interact with human beings. I think life is about getting to know the world in which you live. Sounds good. But when you get to know the world you live in, you know we can live in a fantasy world and then the world of reality. We can choose to go and visit all the natural wonders of the world and come away thinking, What a beautiful world. The colors of the rainbow. The people passing by. Little babies. Wonderful world. Then you have another person who's day in and day out dealing with people who are in poverty and disease. Hunger stricken. And there's civil war and bloodshed and Family's being destroyed and they say it's not such a beautiful world. It's not such a beautiful world. Which one of the two will you pick? Well, this is a challenge every day, isn't it? We need to balance because 
if we're on either extreme, I think we'll be psychologically imbalanced. We'll actually be in a situation where we will live under stress or live in a faulty world of hedonism, pleasure, pleasure-seeking. The Lord Jesus came right into a stressful situation where people were struggling with Roman rule. Jews were struggling for their identity. And they were thinking, we need somebody to get us out of this mess. And they thought, this man is preaching so many good things and changing people's lives and healing them. Maybe Rome will take notice and he'll be able to buy our freedom and get us out of this. Because we no longer feel free. You know what the Lord did? He said, the first part of your existence that I want to free up is your heart. Is your heart. That's what determines whether you're free or not. Is your heart. And if you lay up treasures and you place value on things that will not last, I want to tell you, you are in bondage. That's what God was saying. You're going to go to a dead end. And all the thrill that you had on the way there, it's going to be eclipsed in a horrible way by the reality of emptiness in the end. But Jesus says, but that's not the end of the story. That's not what I came to preach to you, gloom and doom. I want to tell you, there's treasure that you can lay up in heaven where it's going to last forever. First Corinthians 13 talks about love. And we find that also elsewhere in the epistles of the Apostle Paul. And these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. When a person understands how much Jesus loves them, him or her, they will know that he's speaking truth to me. Why is he speaking truth? To rob me of fun and adventure? I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to enjoy nature. I want to go here and there. Is the Lord trying to come and rain on my parade? Give me freedom. I don't want to be restricted. But when we really get close to the heart of God, we see he's not trying to restrict us at all. In fact, He's bringing us into the greatest freedom and pleasure that we can ever know. He didn't come to restrict anyone. He came to tell us who the boogeyman is, who that imposter is, the one who wants to destroy us, and he's not an imaginary creature. He's real. He's called Satan in the Hebrew, Satan. He's called the adversary and the accuser. Day and night, his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he'll do it any which way he can. And he never plays nice. But the Lord comes and says, I love you. I want to change your direction. You want to be a blessing, don't you? You know how people feel when they rescue people's lives and they don't even believe in God? Ah, that made my day. Little girl, I rescued you out of that burning home. You know, you won't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even have an idea of how much you blessed me. Yeah, I rescued your life. But I feel like I belong here. Do you know what that feels like? A career military man a police officer, firefighter, or your average citizen who happens to be in a position to rescue somebody's life. Maybe they just knocked on the door, say, get out, the building's on fire. And that person who comes out is forever indebted and they keep following this person saying, how can I repay you? Thank you, thank you, thank you. My family thanks you. How do you feel? Oh, my life means more than just these trinkets that I've been chasing. 
It means more. Now, if that's the case for a person who doesn't even know God, didn't even give good news, that's the everlasting, how much more? When we say, I'm getting to know Jesus really well. And the more I get to see him and know him, the more beautiful he is to me. And I can't keep this to myself. I got to tell other people, you know why? Because it's not just a matter of some aesthetic philosophy. It's a matter of life and death for eternity. How can I be a blessing if I ever hold on to the treasure that I place value upon in this life, which will be here tomorrow, today and gone tomorrow, which will disintegrate before my eyes and miss the everlasting treasure? Where is your treasure? Because that's where your heart will be, Jesus said, Matthew 6.21. What is your treasure? For some people, family's treasure, and it should be, but never above God. Never above God, because in a logical, rational way of thinking of it, we won't be together forever. Everybody dies. It's a harsh reality, this death. People don't want to think about it, talk about it, but it happens every day. And when the moment comes, Sometimes no one can console you because all your life you had this person with you. What happened? I'm left alone. I'm left alone. Again, become bitter. People take it out on their colleagues and other people, friends. It's a human reaction that doesn't have God on the throne of the heart. But when we have the Lord, He not only comes and consoles us, comforts us. He shows us, I have more things for you. To make your blessing in the midst of your grief. A transformation happens. It doesn't matter how old you are today. It doesn't matter whether you know Jesus a lot or a little bit or not at all. God loves you. That's the message that gripped my heart and continues to grip my heart. I know that I know that I know God loves me. He's proven it to me over and over again. And I'd rather not live if I didn't have the love of God. I really... Would not. I have been so turned off by the suffering and the fighting and the wickedness and the robbing and the killing and the stealing, things that I witnessed even firsthand right there in Harlem, New York City, in the late night while I was waiting for a train. He came up for some air and saw a man literally fly out from a bodega thrown out actually the man comes out and apparently he slugged him this man is intoxicated and doesn't know what happened and people crowd crowd around and they look and they start saying this poor man what happened to him, who did this next thing you know they're picking his pockets I was so disgusted I said what is this you're supposed to come and help, you pretend to help and you're picking his pockets while the man's down it's getting beaten up. Wow, this is humanity for you. Oh, you say, well, I would never dream of doing that. Plus, I won't even be in that neighborhood. Do you know what? People in some very high positions of power do it all the time with a smile and the stroke of a pen. This is how beautiful humanity is without God. But you know when Jesus comes in? A criminal becomes a savior. Can't save the world, but he becomes like a little Jesus because love and compassion comes in. And the pain that that criminal inflicted on other people begins to haunt that person. Say, Lord, you died for me for this kind of thing. I'm never going back. In fact, 
I want to be a blessing, Lord. I want to go and help people who are suffering. I want to take these hands that stole and work hard and provide for myself and then give people what they need. God does that. The treasures we lay up in heaven is when we are rich toward God. And that means I give my heart, my life, everything that I value into the hands of God and say, Lord, something beautiful, something good, all my confusion, you understood. All I had to offer you was my brokenness and strife. But you made something so beautiful of my life. God gives us a heart. He gives us a new heart where we are highly suspicious, overly critical, vengeful. When Jesus really moves in and gets on the throne of somebody's heart, they become very, very loving. They become humble. They become forgiving. They don't go around judging people. They lay their lives down so other people can live. That's the power of the real good news from Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, I thank you. Whatever word you had, Lord, everyone here, wherever it will apply. Oh, Master, I thank you. You would rather have Jesus than anything this world affords. Seal this word, Lord, into the hearts of the people. Cause them to reassess their lives and really see what is priority for them. What makes them turn on and tick. And Lord, if things are out of place according to the divine order, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Spirit of God will blow out all of those wrong priorities. Knock them down till you become number one in their lives. And Lord, the blessing from your presence will just trickle down into every nook and corner of their lives and cause them to become a blessing by sharing the goodness of your love, showing people how to lay up treasures in heaven and be happy for eternity. In the midst of pain and affliction, to be able to be a blessing to others because there is a continual flow of love and peace and joy and blessing from heaven, from Jesus, into our hearts that keeps flowing out. Thank you, Lord. I praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.